Welcome to the History Slam podcast from ActiveHistory.ca. Here's your host, Sean Graham. Thank you, Adam. Welcome to the History Slam, everybody. I am Sean Graham coming at you today nearly live from Ottawa, Ontario. Excited to get into today's episode talking about a new documentary about Marcel Marceau, which is a name that may be familiar to a lot of you out there. He was a mime, an art form that is oft maligned and frankly kind of rarely seen in contemporary popular culture. Marceau, he died in 2007. He was a big star in France and really around the world. And what was interesting about him was what drove him to want to be a mime and what really motivated his entire career and how his time as a young adult during the Second World War, escaping the Nazis, he was Jewish, his father was killed during the Holocaust, and how that period shaped the entirety of the rest of his life. And this is the subject of a new documentary entitled The Art of Silence. And while it does profile Marcel Marceau, goes through his life, it also talks about movements and the power of movement, both as a form of art and as a form of healing, both physical healing and the emotional, mental healing that can come from movement. Very much the idea of movement is medicine. It's a a really great film. I had the opportunity to watch it last night as we record this. And then today I had the pleasure to speak with the director of the film, Mauritius Steckel Drucks, to talk about his vision of the film, how he got in touch with Marceau's family. They're still very active in preserving his legacy, preserving his career. And through those relationships, you see how the, the family views Marceau, but also how the gifts that he had and the, the way he really looked forward in his life is propelling the family and, and the next generations. A, a fascinating film that certainly biopic, but also has, has broader themes to it. So I think you will enjoy it if you get the chance to see it. If you're in Toronto, the film is debuting as part of the Hot Docs Festival which is running from April the 28th until May the 8th. So just around the corner. And The Art of Silence will be shown on Monday, May the 2nd at 2.45 at Varsity 8 and Sunday, May the 8th at 8.30 p.m. at Tiff Bell Lightbox 2. And if you're not in Toronto and you want to check it out, the film will be available online through the festival starting on Tuesday, May the 3rd for five days. So the rest of the week from May the 3rd to May the 8th. And I would encourage you to check it out if you have the opportunity, but not before. Get right into my chat with Mauritius Steckel Drooks. All right. And Mauritius Steckel Drooks joins me now from Zurich. How are you doing today? Hi, Sean. I'm really, I'm really doing fine and I'm looking forward to, to, to have this talk. I mean, it's, I haven't talked so much about the film or the project, so I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, as am I. Uh, as I said in the intro, The Art of Silence. I had the opportunity to watch it last night uh, as we record this, of course, about Marcel Marceau, very famed mime. It, it's interesting to me is when the email was sent to me about the, the film, I thought, I know that name, 
but I wasn't overly familiar with his career and certainly the depth of his career and life that you go into into the film. So before we get into some of what you put in the film, how did you come to the project? And was he somebody certainly, you know, he, he died not that long ago. So mm-hmm. was he somebody who you grew up watching, you were a fan of uh, and what really intrigued you about wanting to tell his story? So uh, this is a caution announcement. It's about mime. So nowadays, I would say people thinking about mime, they're like, oh, no, this is the funny guys on the street. You give a coin, but then you have the tendency to walk by because it's getting boring and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's it's not about this. It's uh, it, it has another side. So please, please stay with us. But. I mean, I grew up with a, uh, with a mime father as well, but the special thing about my father is that he's non-hearing, he's a deaf guy. So for him, mime was kind of a key to be part of a society and to show himself differently and kind of to hide his deafness, you know, and to tell without words uh, of his life. And and because uh, he was also a big fan of Marcel Marceau, I knew all his all his mimes and 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 little numbers he's acting, I I knew it really well since I was a child, and I had this tendency of you know like when you're younger you have to to laugh a bit about these little mime jokes, but when I grew up I was like okay I I'm kind of fed up with this, <laughs> so to be honest, uh, but suddenly I was in uh, I was in New York invited in a. a Jewish ambassador um, and I sat next to an old lady and she she told me uh, that night my my life was saved by a mime and this was kind of the starting point for this film because I thought okay how how can I put this together this like jokes of a mime and on the other side somebody who said okay my life was saved by a mime how how does this work so I started to dig into deeper this project yeah, so did you know going into it that Marcel Marceau himself had this depth of life experience, right? So obviously his life span from born in 1923 dies in 2007. So that obviously mm. does encapsulate something like the Second World War, which we'll, we can get into and sort of his experience during that time. But did you know that about him? before you started or is that something that came up like did it start with this Mm. movement the expression certainly Mm -hmm. your own personal experience and then oh my goodness there's all this other stuff that's going on with this guy in his life yeah that's that's i think that's more likely like this because i i I had an emotional emotional connection to mime to to the art of expressing yourself without words so when i read more about Marceau it was pretty clear to me that uh, he spent a lot of time his life doing other stuff and being part of the wartime and the resistance and stuff like this so I really discovered this and I had I had the feeling I have to rediscover this art form and yeah I have to appreciate it more than just being still this little boy uh laughing about the little jokes of a mime you know that there's so much more behind it so this was uh, really the project was a chance for me to rediscover this art i had the feeling i already know but i i i yeah so i want to get into that part of it let's start with that Mm -hmm. because the the film kind of launches in to 
certainly his backstory uh, and his early life and, and growing up and then eventually gets into the Second World War and the, the decisions, the things that he had to do to not only survive himself as, a, as someone who is Jewish, but also the things that he did to help other people, not least of which changing his name and, and helping people escape and being part of the resistance in France uh, while it was occupied. How did you go about trying to find that information out? What, one of the things that so many of my friends who have researched the Holocaust talk about is mm-hmm. how difficult it can be to track down information about people's individual experiences because so little was written down. So many people didn't want to talk about it afterwards. Uh, so what was that like for you trying to go in and, and understand the depth of his experience during the war and being part of that resistance, both to help other people and just for himself to survive the Nazi occupation of France. Yeah, it was indeed pretty difficult because um, I tried I tried to do uh, a big research, and I also I mean I live in Switzerland, and so th- um, we are close to the border to Germany and and France. So I went in this area in Strasbourg where Marceau grew up, which is a pretty interesting area because it was, yeah, it was German and it was French again and it became German. And it, so the people there, they have this kind of this yeah, question or inner fight of identity because you have uh, always hist- history passing through your street and changing your identity. So this was kind of the place where Marceau grew up and I I went there uh, in his city and occasionally it was the time where the the government did like a little Marceau appreciation and put a little uh, flag on his old house but yeah just uh, I mean you couldn't find old people living there sharing the same uh, history with him and especially not the specific parts of Marceau's life also in the resistance I mean he kind of made himself a uh he um how you say he made himself a new name and he kind of went undercover through the streets with a new name Marcel Masso is is it is it's not his birth name he, he's actually born as a Marcel Mangel so kind of having people to to be able to talk about this highly interested me and occasionally I um I found uh, his cousin who's still alive, Georges Loignier. I mean, he's like, when I met him, he was 105 years old, uh, five years, yeah. <laughs> old. So this old guy, I mean, this it was so crazy because I, I, I was so still young and entering his uh, living room in Paris. And he kind of, yeah, he told me everything he he did in his life. And it, it was so much, so many information, so detailed detailed and so at the same time like a beat in one punch like all this information it was really hard for me to to understand everything so quickly so i i i started to revisit him four or six or seven times uh, till he till he died yeah i'll say too he gives the key in the film you i i love that you included his keys to a long mm-hmm. life uh, his workout routine uh, is one of the more entertaining sort of out of nowhere moments uh, that I really enjoyed. So, you know, keep a lookout for that when you go see the film. So you you make those connections and those stories are, are really powerful. And one of the things that I loved is they tell the story of getting kids across the border 
there was a, a cemetery mm-hmm. that was right on the borders. So he would fake funeral services and have the kids. So therefore they could get into the, the cemetery and then that's how they would uh, have them escape and cross the border. And those sorts of stories are only possible in part through the family. And, and you got great access mm-hmm. to the family, to his family, to his children. Uh, his grandson, of course, plays prominently in telling the story of, of his life and sort of the next generation of it. Uh, so what was that relationship building process like? How did you initiate that contact? And always with these sorts of stories, there there's going to be an element of trust. Like, How did you get them to mm-hmm. trust you to tell the story of their father and grandfather? Yeah, I would say this is the the family Marceau is for me the the most beautiful, but also at the same time the was the most difficult thing I had to yeah I had to pass in order to make this this film because uh, in my last films I had I just I already knew persons from I don't know friends of my family or something like that so like. There was already confidence and I could build on it. And here I did not know the whole Marceau family. So I really started up with an email writing them and they were really kind. They were inviting me for dinner and I talked about my own um, experience with the father as a mime and stuff. They were really kind, but I realized pretty soon that there's so many people, also media people, journalists or the filmmakers who are interested in Marcel Marceau like this big name and the star and at the same time the family kind of felt yeah this need to to keep his i don't know to keep his secret or also to keep his um dignity as somebody who's not living uh, anymore so they were not like okay let's let's join for any project and let's be part of your documentary they were pretty i mean I never get a yes or a no when I ask them to do this film. So we, we had this lunch in, in, in France, in Southern France, and I traveled back and I felt like, okay, can I do this film now or not? I, I don't know. And it went on for two or three years. I just revisit them and without a camera. And we kind of had this unspoken secret between us that we kind of try to have a connection, a kind of friendship. And if it works, it will go on. And if not, it won't. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so this was pretty hard on one, on one hand. On the other hand, it kind of was, was the most beautiful thing because as soon as we felt we have a connection and an honest interest in each other, I can start shooting and make an honest documentary. And in the end, I kind of did because they never saw the whole film before it was finished they never intervened or you know like tried to change something that really let me do this film because they understood i i was searching for yeah for not only for the past but also for the the future of mine and yeah this was a really i think a really nice uh yeah it became a really nice friendship and still still is Let's talk about the the state of mime and and just what it is, because like you said at the start, there is that stereotype, and you know everyone's seen the the guy with his face painted white standing on the street and he's stuck in a box, right? Like that's basically <laughs> what what I think a lot, like sort of this popular imagination of mime is in in twenty twenty two, but you know you see in the film that it's it's about movement and the idea 
of movement, controlling your movement, really powerful stuff. When you start to get, there's a section about Parkinson's in there and I'm an artist too, who was diagnosed with Parkinson's and, and sort of the control of movement in his training, how that might've influenced it. So for you coming to the film and just in general with your own background to it, how, how would you describe mime to somebody and what made Marceau so good at it? Like, why was he such a performer that people were drawn to? Well, I think the, the the simplest way to describe mime is like the fascination you have if you watch a little baby and you just watch the little baby and every face expression changes and it tells so much and it gives you so many feelings. Kind of this power should be in every mime that you have the that you you know the art of expressing yourself without words and and seeing stuff which is not there i think this is this is what really fascinates me about mime i mean you go on stage you paint your face white i mean it's so obvious that you're acting but at the same time you you realize that you're kind of trapped in a story somebody's showing you and and you believe it even though there is nothing and you ask about Masso why he's so good in it. I I mean, I have no technical skills to describe that, and I I'm really not a mime myself. But doing this film, what I found out, which um, not found out, I would say what I discovered and what really touched me so strongly was that that the family told me that Masso was always how you say he was always so. Um, so touched by the the story of his own father, who was uh, a, a Jewish butcher and and deported by the Nazis, and Masso suffered his whole life um, of this death of the father and also the disappearance. So you have somebody who you really love, and he got brutally murdered, and there is no body left nothing left nothing you can touch nothing you can say goodbye so the family told me Maso was constantly kind of searching for his father waiting for him even though he knew he was dead he was kind of hoping he will come back or is there some ah, could be this is my father around the corner so this idea that something is not touchable he kind of turned this disadvantage around and, and made an art form out of it. And I think when you see him acting muscle, he's kind of, he's, he's like this child. He's not acting. You say, I don't know, in German we say uh, uh, when a child, try, um, when you try to act an animal as an actor, you try to act it. But when a child does this, it's not acting. The child is the animal, you know, right. like this <laughs> this question of authenticity, I think Marceau deeply has it in it as 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 doing his art uh, is a way to um, to overcome this 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 suffering. You certainly get that sense in the film. And one of the things I was wondering though is you obviously in doing this had the opportunity to watch hours and hours of film mm -hmm. on it. One one of the great things about studying pop culture or doing a project about any sort of pop culture individuals that usually there's a lot of film on them that you get the chance to to look at which is great for understanding them and their art but also 
hard because then you have to pick what you want to use in the film and you have so many mm -hmm. options available to you. I was, I was wondering as I was going through it and watching those clips that you included, how much of it for him do you think was the art itself and, and putting mm -hmm. out uh, the, these things that were entertaining and people enjoyed, but also it gave him opportunities to help that you see him with children around the world, that he was always willing to help others in that mm. chase for what was right, promote what was good in the world after he went through such a traumatic experience during the Second World War. Like for him, what was that motivation or was it just joint of like, yes, he, he was an artist and wanted to create art, but two, the art gave him this remarkable platform to do a lot of good. Yeah, I think he had deeply after uh, this this horrible experience with his father and fighting during war, World War Two, and always also this this aspect of hiding himself. I mean, he changed his name. He was always afraid he will be deported as well. So always living. I mean, he could he could um, he could go away to uh, decide to hide himself, but he kind of did the way to to be, become somebody else you know mm -hmm. and 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 try to to find nice things in this misery situation so um i think that taught him a deep uh, a deep sense for humanism he he tried to get yeah, to spread out the world and i think what was so interesting after the war i mean the german germans nazis killed his father so after war he he first, firstly went to Germany to play in front of Russian, American, French soldiers and so on. I mean, young people who come together who are not able really to speak to each other because they don't understand each other necessarily and do something which is a common thing, namely, namely uh, doing mime, which everyone can understand. And he also says this. Uh, there's no laughing or crying in German, French or English. It's like the whole world is showing the same emotions. So I think this this idea of unifying and being equal um, was really uh, important for him. And you mentioned the archive material. Yeah. This was uh, this was also really interesting because there were so many archives, but there were a lot of archives from a time where he got really famous. And actually I was really interested in a time where he was young and not famous at all, where he was still Marcel Mangel and not Marcel Masso. So this was really hard to find. And actually also the family helped me with uh, material I could use, which nobody had seen uh, before. They certainly seem not only really uh, helpful in the film, but also in just preserving his legacy which goes beyond him right and that, that's really what struck me is that what they're doing and what the film is about it's about marcel marceau you're going to learn about marcel marceau but it's about bigger things than that because the sense i get is that that's how he lived his life was for things bigger than him but you also got the sense that in, in a couple of cases that maybe the family was left longing a little bit right one of his daughters mm -hmm. talks about how when he, he, she would see him with other kids, she would say, well, does, does he love me just as much as that? Like, what's different? And that, so did you get that sense that for as much as the, they are certainly obviously proud and, and want to preserve mm -hmm. what he did, that there was 
a longing there or a separation or, or just maybe even uncertain feelings about their individual relationships with their father? And what was the process for you to include that content in the film as well? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a, a suffering part as well that they, they're missing their father or you, you say longing, that's that's true. And, and I think it has also there's also kind of a secret it has something also to do that there has there is no film about Masor, Masor his his story or his document yeah a documentary or a film like the family talking about it because there's still this longing and the secret and and trying to keep it close and not to give it away kind of so for me it's it's still a secret but I admire the family how they try to keep him alive through art and this was also for me a key to include other protagonists to the film like i was really wondering what's happening with this art from nowadays and how can it be beneficial to us in in these times in this i would say really loud times where we have the tendency to have events and music and stuff like that where where there are still i think a lot of people um having a longing for silence I was thinking about it too, because when the movie started, or when the film started, I thought, I wonder if there's going to be a narrator through this. And then I thought, well, no, of course there's not going to be. That's kind of the whole point, right? People yeah. talk, you hear voices, but you can't really have a central narrator through this because this guy worked in silence and that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he's talking in silence and <laughs> not talking like this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, I think I, there I come back to my own roots that I, I kind of in this film I reflect also a little bit my um, my relation to my father who used who used mime or the silence to change his life, and so did Marceau, and so do the other protagonists you mentioned uh, Rob Merman the mime who discovered in old year age that he has Parkinson's disease and now he's trying to heal himself uh, with mime. So I met so many mimes, great mimes, great, great artists, but I had to decide who I will include in the film. And this was for me really the breaking point to find people who had this essential need to change their life through silence and through the art yeah through the art of silence that title of the film right uh, the art mm. of silence uh, and you you do you get that sense that and someone in the film says that i can't remember who but basically that silence is or the, i'm paraphrasing that silence is mm. scary for a lot of people that we need mm. noise we need something to distract of the thought or the idea of sitting in silence with ourselves it can be a scary thought. And that's what's so powerful about performing in silence and the individual who who is deaf in the film who talks about, I need, like, that's my life. I, I, I live in silence, essentially, uh, and building the relationships through movement. It is, it is quite powerful. And it does lead to this question of what is the future of this form of art? You get the sense of it a little bit in the film, but having gone through it, you know, it's clear why it's included in the film, but are you optimistic about it? You know, we, we've already talked about the stereotypes of yeah. mine, but it, like, it's hard to imagine in 2022 mm -hmm. 
someone like Marcel Marceau being as popular as he was in his heyday. But I could be wrong about that. You have a better sense of the industry than I do. Yeah, I mean, this question, I think, it has two answers. In, in terms of of, uh, of superstar or event or stage, I think there's no need for another Marcel Marceau. There's no need for another great mime. We have to go to a event or theater to admire. But I think we can learn in our daily lives so much about it because I think we all have the situation where we kind of are put in other roles. Uh, we have long relationships. We, yeah, one day we have another perspective of things. So we have to be somebody else or we want to change. So there is always this questions, how can, can I transform myself? And I think we all have the tendency to solve problems through talking, which is nice that we are powerful, that we have this power of conversation, but I, I think we kind of neglect the power of the nonverbal um, possibilities and, and to learn from that and to trust more our body or uh, read more bodies, body language signs and to have more attention on that. I think uh, that was one of my aims I had with the film to, yeah, to put a spotlight on that spotlight yeah. on that. And, and certainly you do, uh, I think very effectively. And, and you see it, as, as I say, with all, all the individuals who are there uh, and sort of the story of his grandson too, that, that sort of goes throughout and, and his process of, of dealing with who his grandfather was and, and what his interest is. Uh, and to the point that, uh, you know, he, he is participating in art uh, and movement in a very powerful way. So, when people come to this film, when, when people go see it, uh, you, what, what to you is the thing that maybe they should be looking for? Like, do you have a, I'm always curious, like do filmmakers mm. have prescribed takeaways that they want audiences to go away with? And often, <laughs> often they'll say kind of, but not really, you can't really ever tell an audience what to go away with, but how would you prime an audience for this film? Like how, how would you prepare them before they go into the theater to, to see it, given how many preconceptions they might have about mime, how they might mm. know of Marcel Marceau, uh, and what, what sort of expectations would you want people to have? I think the best thing is to go to see the film if you feel really boring about mime, if you're thinking, oh, I don't feel like seeing a mime movie. I think this is the best prediction to go because the film can give you, I think, the power to discover something else. And it has a lot of different protagonists in it. So it's a multi-layered film. And it should give you the chance to kind of find yourself sitting in the cinema and finding a new aspect of yourself and giving, yeah, putting a new spotlight on your own behavior. Yeah. I think this, this would be the most beautiful thing I could wish for an audience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and certainly my expectations were different from what I thought. I thought I was going in, and, and I whenever I, I get these things and I get to go see something, I, I always try to go in as fresh as I can. So I knew it was Marcel Marceau, and they sent me the whole press bag, every, all this information that I didn't read until after the movie. Like I, I wanted to just watch it fresh because I expected. I sat down. I thought, okay, this is a bio doc of this guy who I've heard of, but it really wasn't that. It was a lot deeper. And a lot more than that. So I agree with you that, you know, if, if you're skeptical about mime, uh, this will tell you a, a lot about why it's important and what, what draws people to it or drew people to it uh, and how this guy became as 
known as he did. Uh, and so I, I totally agree with you. So again, the film is The Art of Silence. It is part of the Hot Docs Festival in Toronto from April 28th to May the 8th. So uh, right around the corner. Are you able to come for that? Are you going to be in town for Yeah, I, 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 tr I really try to. It's not sure yet. They invited me. It's so, so kind. I'm really looking for it. But I'm not... I'm not sure if I, I really I really will make it. Yeah. I have another yeah. project and I just recently got father. So a lot oh, of congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, awesome. So yeah, and, and certainly with all the COVID in the world and, and sort of the travel situation still isn't uh, yeah. the greatest. So perhaps if you go to the festival, uh, you'll see Mauritius, but uh, maybe not. Uh, either way, check it out. Uh, again, The Art of Silence. So if people want more information about the film or about some of your other projects, uh, where can they catch up with you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a website, which is maxdrugs, M-A-X-D-R-U-X.com. So I have all my projects and teasers uh, and stuff on it. So check it out. Yep, uh, definitely check it out. We'll link that in the show notes below. Head over to activehistory.ca. The post with this episode will have all that information as well. So again, The Art of Silence, Mauritius Steckel-Drooks. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Sean. So there you have it, my chat with Mauritius Steckel-Drooks. I thank him for joining me. And again, The Art of Silence. If you want to see it in person as part of the Hot Docs Festival, Monday, May the 2nd. 2.45 at Varsity 8, Sunday, May the 8th at 8.30 at Tiff Bell Lightbox number two. Of course, if you're not in Toronto, the online festival, you can see the film starting on Tuesday, May the 3rd through Sunday, May the 8th online through the Hot Docs Festival website. So that will do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get those podcasts. Do the likes, ratings, comments, all that other good stuff helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. And of course, you can head on over to activehistory.ca. All of our past episodes are available under the podcast tab. Last week, Scratching River. The week before, From Remote Stars with the great Sarah E.K. Smith and Kirsty Robertson. Before that... Daniel Ross, Young Street in Toronto. We had Bethany Kilcrease, Falsehood and Fallacy. A lot of great stuff recently on the show. So check it out if you haven't seen it yet. And of course, over on the site, you'll also get all those great written pieces that uh, are always available over there, activehistory.ca. And of course, if you want to let me know what you would like to hear on the show, you can reach out historyslam at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at the Sean Graham. So that is it for this week. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you again next week with a new episode. But until then, if you're out and you see Enrico Palazzo, please say hi for me. Thanks for listening to the History Slam podcast. Be sure to check out Active History for more features, articles, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes.